Welcome, welcome to a Friday night edition of the Illini cast. Tonight we're going to preview Sunday's matchup against the Nebraska Cornhuskers, who are uh, flying pretty high after their victory over Wisconsin last night, a victory that did Illini a lot of favors. Uh, our boy Fred Hoiberg does it for us again. Uh, I've got a special guest on today uh, who's going to be from the Nebraska side. And uh, before I do that, I just want to let you all know that uh, if you're interested, uh, notice I don't have a co-host today. That means the co-host can be you. I'm dropping the links on my, the YouTube description. It should be down there. Uh, I'm also in a second going to be dropping the link on X, if that's what you're watching this from. Feel free, uh, enjoy your conversation, whether you're uh, an Illinois fan or you're going to be a Nebraska fan, you know, come on, chime in. Let's hear your thoughts on the game on Sunday or uh, let's hear your thoughts on the season uh, in general. Uh, without further ado, I will introduce now Blake from the Scarlet Shootaround podcast. Thanks for joining us, Blake. Yeah, absolutely. Excited, uh, excited to be here and kind of talk Nebraska basketball. It's very rare over the past decade plus that anybody's interested in hearing anything about Nebraska basketball. So very uh, unique opportunity for us to, to share what little excitement we have, which has been dormant, like I said, for a long time. So excited to ride the highs. And like, you know, like you mentioned, Fred Hoiberg, he, he's got y'all's back. I love the guy. Yeah. Um, so to give you guys a backdrop of the story, uh, yesterday, if you guys follow Illini Cast on X, I sent out like a bat signal and I was like, hey, you know, as uh, viewers of the Illini cast tend to know, I like to have a preview with someone on the opposite side. So we kind of know what to expect on game day. And I'll be honest, like, you know, it's very easy to find Nebraska shows and, you know, podcasts, whether it's on YouTube or, uh, you know, via podcast apps, but they're all football. And so when I sent that bat signal out, there's one consistent name that kept coming up. Scarlet shoot around, Scarlet shoot around, Scarlet shoot around. So you guys are doing something right with basketball. So I really appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, it's been a really unique, I, I don't, I wouldn't call it a rise to fandom or anything like that, but there has been a void in Nebraska basketball fandom for a long time. And there's text forums and things out there that uh, kind of try to fill the void in a certain way, but there was nothing con on a consistent podcast or media base that allowed the diehard Nebraska ball fandoms, the miserable ones, to get together and conversate about the highs, the lows, the the great wins, the horrible losses. That didn't really exist. So pop in the Scarlet Shootaround that me and my friend Mike started this year, and it's kind of just exploded. I mean, we have a ton of interaction with our diehard fans. Um, it's a little nook and cranny in the entire fandom of Nebraska athletics in general, as basketball is probably even behind volleyball in some aspects because those guys win and Nebraska basketball doesn't. So uh, it's just been super fun, ton of interaction. And obviously with the uh, historic season that we're having right now in uh, relative terms to what our program has done, it's been a, it's been a really fun ride. So let's, you know, talk about your historic season. Preseason big 10, number 13, I think it was. Number 13. Uh, number 13. So the expectations weren't very high uh, for the Huskers this year. And yet here you sit, not too bad. What would I, I'm sorry, I just had your record up a second ago. Um, uh, 16 and 6, fifth in the Big Ten. Now, you know, for those Illinois fans who aren't following Nebraska exactly that close, give us kind of a rough idea of uh, 
you know, culmination of what how the season has gone on uh, up until today? Well, Fred Hoiberg is in year, I want to say five or six, I think five in his tenure. And the first four years were riddled with absolute disaster. Uh, I don't think, I think last year was the first year that we even broke 500 or we were really close to it. And the all years prior to that were a total, just unmitigated disaster. So Fred was really on the hot seat coming into this year, but he made some assistant coach changes. He changed the makeup of his roster and really the way that he filled out our roster going into 2023-24. So he built this roster on what is more of a, in our eyes, a traditional Big Ten mold. He tried to bring the Iowa State play style in his first four years. It's run and gun, you know, a lot of shooters and not so much inside presence. Well, now we have obviously Rick Mast, who's uh, been very Jekyll and Hyde in some facets, but he does what Fred wants him to do in general, and that's be a presence down low where he can be and extend the defense outside of the three-point line to allow back cuts, driving lanes for guards, and so on and so forth. Now, as you talk about this season, what's been really cool and what Fred was very smart about is he scheduled super soft in the non-conference, knowing that this is a contract year for him, in lack of a better term, because his job security was honestly on very thin linings. Had we not finished 2022-23 on a good note, he probably would have been fired last year, just calling it what it is. But he didn't, and now it's worked out obviously how it has. Um, but he built a roster more towards tailored towards Big Ten and allowed them seven or eight non-conference games to gel together, to learn how to play together, to build chemistry with each other. And we started out 7-0 and without any quality wins. We beat, I think, Duquesne, which at the time was in the 90s in Ken Palm or so, and since they've tailed off. So thanks for nothing to the Dukes. But um, no big wins on the schedule or big games on the schedule prior to Creighton, which was in early December, December 3rd. Unfortunately, I remember that because it was a nightmare. Uh, we got smoked by Creighton by 30-plus in our in-state rival game. Uh, everything went wrong, wrong for us. Everything went right for them. And it's sometimes that just happens. It just happens against your in-state rival. So then you went on the road to Minnesota, had a 15- or 16-point lead at some point, and then blew it all in the second half. And then all of a sudden the fans started to think that this was a mirage. We're 7-0. and Then we go from 7-2. to You can't even win a, a – the team, only team we're supposed to be better than in Minnesota on the road, right? So uh, fans started to fall off. And then what happens? We go and have Michigan State at home. And what was kind of a do-or-die game for the general uh, fan base in regards to the bandwagon people, right? Um well, we actually shocked the world and beat Michigan State. I think we were in two or three-point uh, dogs in that game at home. And we beat Tom Izzo. And I think the first time in a long time he'd ever started 0-2 in conference. But beat Tom Izzo. Then we went down to Manhattan, Kansas, and beat Kansas State at Bramlage, which not many people had done prior to Oklahoma going in there winning by 30 or whatever they did. So that was a really good win at the time, which has tailed off a little bit since. But then you come back, and I think you know we played a couple non-con games over the winter. But Long story short, we've kind of done what was pretty much expected in general outside of a shocking win at Purdue, which was spectacular. Uh, we lost a heartbreaker at Rutgers. We blew like a 12-point lead in both halves, which is just heartbreaking. They ended up winning by one or – sorry, it went into overtime. We ended up losing by a handful. Games should have been won. And then you come back, and obviously we just beat Wisconsin. Everything else has kind of gone about as we expected. I think we're 6-5 and five as it sits in the Big Ten, as you mentioned, fifth right now in the standings. So way better than anybody would have ever predicted for Nebraska basketball to this point. So it's been such a fun ride. And it's always, you know, I have to explain this to other fan bases because they don't really get it. What we're basing our success on is just making the tournament. Even like an NIT, I think most fans would have been okay with in the season, obviously when you're projected 13th preseason. But this season has been so fun because the gold standard since 2000, I mean, I'm talking about the turn of the century, was being an 11 seed in 2014 and having to go like 7-1 and one in February, March to even get in. And then we got rolled by six seed Baylor anyway. 
So like the gold standard is just get in. Like that's all we want to do. So the bar is so low uh, that we are ecstatic about where we're at. If we get in the dance, even as like a 10 seed, that's all we could have ever asked for. So a peek into the miserable fandom that Nebraska basketball is. You're, you're talking to an Illinois football fan, so I get it. Um, so, you know, let's keep the topic kind of on Hoiberg right now. And you just talked about what the hope is for this season now, you know, that we're a little over halfway through the season. That's crazy how fast the season's going by. Um, would you say his job is now safe? Or do you think a tournament appearance is absolutely mandatory to for you to feel that uh, it's he's safe? I think the general consensus of the fan base would say that he's probably safe. Now, a lot of our bandwagon fans are uninformed and don't understand how bad we've been forever. So they still have this 1990s Nebraska football standard level to it, right? Uh, but our basketball program is the antithesis of our football program. So as many of you diehard you know, Illini fans know, I think Fred should be safe. Now, barring a total collapse where we go all the way down to the NIT and, and whatnot, you know, I don't think that's in the cards, but you just never know. It's a round ball, round hoop, right? But I think Fred Hoiberg is safe. Now, again, I mentioned if had we not closed the last year on the really nice stretch we did, I think we went like eight and two or seven and two in our final two months when we were sitting there staring death in the eyes at three and 10 or something in the Big Ten in early February. Uh, we closed the season. I think we got nine and 11 in conference. And uh, we were trying to begging to get in the NIT, just begging to find an NIT at large birth. Didn't end up happening. But what Fred did, and again, was really smart of him, is he built this roster with continuity. So going into next year, all things assuming stay the same, the only people that are going to change on our roster from barring transfers and things like that, just eligibility-wise, we're going to lose Casey Tomanaga, obviously a game-changer when he's on. It's very proven and, and established at this Everybody's point. Everybody's favorite. Also. Everybody knows who Casey Tomanaga <laughs> is, right? Yeah. Tomanaga graduates, and he'll pursue a career either overseas or NBA if someone will give him a shot. We lose um, a reserve point guard, dr transfer Jerron Coleman from Ball State, who doesn't play anyway. He's not in the rotation. Um, and we lose Josiah Alec, who's a role player forward. He contributes maybe five points a game and two rebounds. So point being, going into next year, a lot of the same pieces are going to return for this Husker squad. Bryce Williams returns. Uh, our pseudo point guard, although we don't have a true point guard, uh, returns in, uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name, for Jamarcus Lawrence. Uh, Rink Mass is going to return next year. Um, C.J. Wilcher, who's the best three-point shooter in the Big Ten, as we sit here right now, is going to be back. So barring transfers again, you never know what's going to happen in the portal. This team is built for at least a two-year run. So anything that we do this year is really setting up for a grand stage next year because I think with some momentum that we can build going into 2024-25, there's a decent shot that we could not necessarily be favorites but picked in the top four of the league next year. Wow, that's a change. Once again, we're talking to – uh, Blake from the Scarlet Shootaround podcast. Uh, feel free to find him on. Are you guys on YouTube also, or is it just uh, we do, the Yep, we're on YouTube as well. So, not yeah. probably our most popular medium, but we're out there. Yeah, I, f I find them regardless. Uh, they're good people. Um, you know, the next thing I want to kind of talk about when you think of Nebraska basketball, especially this season, um, your home and away splits. I mean, what's going on here? You guys are juggernauts at home. You've beaten, you know, you've beaten Purdue now. You've beaten Wisconsin. Uh, you know, the top teams in the Big Ten. Purdue, arguably the top team in the country. And yet on the road, I'm seeing losses to 
uh, Rutgers, uh, a beatdown uh, at Iowa. You know, Iowa's just not that good of a team this year. Explain to me the difference of playing in Lincoln as opposed to playing on the road. Well, I'll preface this by saying if Illinois wants to schedule a 21st game to come down to PBA, we could probably use that quad one opportunity. So, uh, And it's going to be tough for you. We'll probably be favored, believe it or not. Uh, PBA this year has been unbelievable. It's been absolutely unbelievable. And I think, again, with some of the momentum, and you get the bandwagons, the football people that will look at basketball for like the Creighton game and maybe if, again, Purdue comes to town, right, things like that. It is built when you win some of those games, it gets those bandwagon people to really commit. I mean, what people in the general national sense of things don't understand is Nebraska ball fans will show up if uh, the product is decent. I mean, again, last year we went 9-11 and 11 in the Big Ten or 10-10 and 10 or whatever it may have been. And I think we are in the top 12 in average attendance in the country in basketball. So people will show up and people want to support this program. Problem is... The program hasn't give them, given them anything to support over the past decade. So, you know, if we end up going on a one and eight start in the Big Ten, nobody cares anymore, right? So you, you kind of have to have some momentum and have some expectations, which are very hard to come by with this program. But speaking to the road losses, I think, and what a lot of, again, consensus Nebraska ball people would tell you is there's just not, number one, a true point guard on this team. So our assist numbers usually aren't very high. There's nobody that can call in the storm for giving up an 8-0 run or a 10-0 run or anything like that. We don't have a floor general, really. There's not a personality that you know is leading a huddle at any point. So you lack a leader. And number two, I think this team, at least until Wisconsin and Hoiberg changed some of the practice philosophies that they were uh, taking part in prior to this Wisconsin game, they lack toughness. I think it's relatively fair to say that because anytime adversity would punch this team in the face, specifically away from their home crowd and the confines of PBA, the team collapsed. I mean, multiple times, again, Minnesota, we talk about, we had a 15 or 16 point lead and totally just collapsed and blew it. No floor general, nobody to control the situation. Fred doesn't like to call timeouts. You may see that again here in Champaign on Sunday, for whatever reason, a very odd aspect of his coaching. You look at Rutgers, blew two 12 point leads. Um, you know, you look at Maryland, we were up, I think, 12 to two in the first four minutes of that game and just end up losing by 20 in a total blowout. Anytime adversity has strict, struck this team on the road, they've just collapsed. Now we're hoping, God willing, that that's not going to be the case in Champaign, but you got to get a lead first. And from what research we've done in our own episode research for our own podcast, Illinois is unbelievably efficient on both offense and defense. So um, it's going to be a tough matchup for us. And obviously you guys have had a couple of days of rest, but we're coming off an emotional high and short rest traveling. So it's a pretty bad setup spot for the Oscars. Yeah, it's going to be a tough matchup though. Cause from what I looked at, uh, your guys' schedule, you don't have that tough of a schedule remaining. Uh, if I have it right, I think Illinois is the last team that you're playing. That's in the top 45, uh, in the country. So this is, a, this is if Nebraska's goal is to make the tournament, I think a victory in Champaign for uh, the Huskers would be basically almost guaranteeing you guys a spot, um, barring a complete collapse. Uh, you know, so I, I'm highly expecting Nebraska's um, top performance, bringing their A game on Sunday. Uh, folks, if you have a question for Blake, please feel free to leave one in the comments. Uh, I'll be reading them out loud, uh, whether it's for me or him. Uh, we can both answer. Also, of course, as a simple reminder, there's a link in the descriptions or on Twitter if you're looking to join the conversation. Uh, we'd love to have you today. So let's start talking about what we're going to see on Sunday. Um, for an Illinois, Illinois fan base who knows very little about Nebraska basketball, 
what kind of basketball team are we going to be seeing uh, at the State Farm Center? Nebraska basketball lives and dies by the three, baby. That's what we do. We chuck threes, and we have, in general, a pretty damn good shooting team. I want to say I haven't looked at the stats post-Wisconsin game, but, again, C.J. Wilcher has turned into an absolute flamethrower beyond the arc. I think in most recent stats that we mentioned in our podcast that will be going live tomorrow, over the past five games, these are real numbers, C.J. Wilcher is shooting 66% from beyond the arc and 68% from the field. So this guy is playing as hot as, quite frankly, anybody in the country. He's the leading candidate for Big Ten Sixth Man of the Year. So he's really been kind of our spark plug in an absence of Casey Tomanaga over the past three, four games as he's kind of getting shut down and and uh, really just had a couple off-shooting nights. So C.J. Wilcher has taken that opportunity and stepped up huge in it. Um, but again, th- this team lives and dies by the three. They're not a great rebounding team. We've seen, again, in the Minnesota game, we gave up 20-some offensive rebounds. In Rutgers' game, we gave up 25 offensive rebounds. I think in Maryland, we gave up every bit of 16, 17 offensive rebounds. Now, the caveat there is against Maryland and against Rutgers, we were lacking Juwan Gary, who was out with a calf strain. So Juwan Gary brings a different element to this team, especially defensively and on the glass. Juwan Gary back against Kansas State at the Bramlage Center down in Manhattan when we played them uh, in December, Juwan Gary went off for 11 offensive rebounds. So he's really the staple of what brings that rebounding power to the Huskers lineup. Now, without him, a lot of it's left to Mass, who is a very good shooter, has is very artsy around the hoop, can shoot a hook, can shoot a fadeaway. He's hitting step back threes now all of a sudden for those that watched the game last night. Who knows where that's coming from? That's a Big Ten five man that's doing that. Um, so he brings a lot of versatility and, and can, again, stretch the offense. He's kind of our point center. You'll see a lot of our offense originate from the top of the key with rink mast, passing and setting screens and those types, types of things as Fred is known to run a five-out offense, even going back to his days at Iowa State. But again, we lack a true point guard, so it's almost kind of by necessity. Now you'll see Bryce Williams, uh, who normally plays our three or four spot. Uh, sometimes the two, he'll start bringing the ball up just because, again, we lack a true point guard and anybody that can handle the ball without turning it over. So there's an opportunity there for uh, the Illini going into this one. But you know, again, from our research, Illinois is the best team in the Big Ten when it comes to defending the three-point line, at least uh, lacking uh, opponent attempts. So you're really going into a strength-on-strength matchup here, and and I think it's going to be a real determinant of the game. But again, I can't stress enough, Nebraska has just been absolutely miserable in offensive rebounding on the road. And again, it shows in the data at Rutgers, at Maryland, at Minnesota. It's been, quite frankly, I mean, frankly, an embarrassment. So Illinois being one of the better offensive rebounding teams in the country, again, it's just, it's a nightmare matchup for Nebraska in this one. I mean, it could be, but in a lot of ways, Nebraska can be, Nebraska is good at what, is kind of Illinois' kryptonite, uh, especially in particular, I'm talking about Mask. He, like, if you take a look at the uh, opposing bigs that have played against Illinois outside Ohio State, who really doesn't have uh, many scores, they're all going for career highs. Because essentially what Brad does is, <clears throat> you mentioned that we don't allow threes. So our philosophy on defense is basically, uh, you can get as many hard-fought baskets around the rim that you want. but And it's going to all be on Coleman. We're not going to double-team. Underwood, for whatever reason, refuses to double-team. Mass is the type of guy who can absolutely take advantage of that. And we saw what happened against uh, Wisconsin last night. If a couple of those three-pointers end up going in for you guys, then all of a sudden, we're in trouble. Because, you know, luckily you guys don't have a point guard. Because if you guys also had a point guard, by the way, 
Illinois doesn't have a point guard either. Uh, the only difference is Illinois doesn't have a point guard, nor do we have a center. We kind of just play a bunch of twos, threes, and fours out on the floor at the same time. Like It should be a, an interesting matchup. I don't know what the spread is. Uh, I kind of looked for it before the game. I couldn't find it. But if it's... I mean, if it's around nine and a half, maybe 10 is what I'd kind of expect it to be uh, with it being at State Farm. I feel like I'm inclined to take the Cornhuskers just because it's been that kind of season. Yeah, we had a – I mean, it depends on what which Illinois team shows up. If the Illinois uh, team from the second half of that Ohio State game shows up where all of a sudden Terrence Shannon looked like he had his awakening, he was uh, attacking the rim, he was getting free throws – you know, he was making three-pointers, then that team should, with all due respect, you know, uh, blow you guys out. But if the team that shows up the previous couple of games where we're uh, lacking on defense, we were one of the best defensive teams in the country for the better part of the year. And then January 1st happened, and all of a sudden our rankings in almost every category have gone down, which, you know, to me doesn't make any sense because we have – you know, I've said this before, my listeners know, in my opinion, when you have Shannon, Hawkins, and uh, Rodgers on the court at the same time playing defense, in the, at the college level, that's a cheat code. All three are very athletic. They can switch. They've got big bodies. So, like, our performance, uh, you know, post-January, to me, is mind-boggling. But, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's, it, I, I think it's going to be a good matchup on Sunday. Um, so let me ask you, uh, if we find out Sunday night the Nebraska Huskers are victorious, tell me what the game script for that to have happened uh, is. Well, number one, and it, it comes down at least from the Nebraska standpoint, is you just you cannot get blown out on the offensive boards. You've got to find a way to box guys out because, again, it seems like a situation where both fan bases, if you're just taking my perspective and your perspective, are almost down on their team in, in certain aspects of it. Nebraska, again, proven track record of lack of rebounding ability on the road. Now now that we have Juwan Gary back, who just came back against Wisconsin, I would tell you in full faith and confidence, if Juwan Gary did not play in that Wisconsin game, number one, we're not coming back, and number two, it's probably every bit of a 15 to 20 point loss. So he is such a key linchpin in what we're trying to do because he fills in or helps fill in that rebounding gap. Now what he does have a problem with is getting into foul trouble. So if he can stay out of foul trouble, that's going to be kind of a .1A of, uh, of Nebraska opportunities because when he's not on the floor, Illinois is going to have, and what we're seeing, especially with what Wisconsin did and what Maryland did, Casey Tomanaga, who as good of a shooter as he is, is an absolute liability, at least over the past two weeks on defense. Matter of fact, if you look at his minutes played over the last two games, he's played under 20 minutes in each of them because, number one, he hasn't hit shots a ton, right? And that's part of it. But more importantly, he's just getting absolutely destroyed on the defensive end of the floor. He's losing his assignments. He's only a 6'1 guy who's you know, 165 pounds dripping wet. So he's a, he's a bad matchup defensively anywhere where you, where you put him. So if he's not going to make shots, then he, he's just not worth playing. And obviously, Wilcher's emergence has helped soften that blow a little bit. But if Nebraska's going to win down there in, in Illinois, which full faith and honesty, I don't think that's going to happen. But if it does, it means Mass probably had an Ohio State-type game, to your point, of nobody doubling down low. Mass can do some damage if he doesn't have a double team on him. Because, again, he stretches that floor and can hit a couple threes. But he's so crafty around the basket. And against Ohio State, he had 30-some points and, you know, I want to say six or seven rebounds and a couple assists on top of that. So he's capable. He can have a game like that. But normally the offense isn't based around that. It's based around shooting a lot, shooting a lot of threes. And where Mass contributes within that is where he contributes. 
But again, it, it but scoring besides the point, it, it really does come down to the glass and turnovers. Nebraska has been awful turning the ball over on the road. I think we had 18 turnovers at Maryland. I want to say we had every bit of 15 plus in Minnesota. I think Rutgers, we turned it over, you know, whatever, 12, 13, 14 times. So turnovers have been a huge problem going back to that lack of floor general point that I mentioned earlier. But if Nebraska can control the boards and control the turnovers, they will have every chance in the world to win this game, assuming they shoot at a decent clip. Now, you know, again, Illinois, a pretty good team defensively, maybe not as elite as they were, like you mentioned at the start of the year. But again, a lot of things are going to have to go Nebraska's way for a chance. And really, even speaking to the fan base perspective, there's not a whole lot of belief because Nebraska has been the most Jekyll and Hyde team in the country away from PBA. So expectations are pretty low when we're not in Lincoln. Yeah, I think uh, our best bet is to kind of impose our physicality uh, against you guys. Uh, you know, we are a very large team. Um, I, I, if I had to guess, uh, everyone's favorite um, player in the Big Ten that's not on your team, uh, Tominaga, is going to kind of get the same bully ball that a lot of other teams have been doing against him. Uh, I don't see him having, you know, We'll see. I mean, he's the type of player who he makes a couple shots and he can kind of control the game. So, you know, who knows? But I think uh, the key to victory for you guys is him getting going. Um, whether that happens or not, you know, we, we will uh, see. I just got a comment. Thank you, Isla, on Twitter. It looks like uh, your boy here I've have turned comments off. That's why we're not getting any comments on this. So I apologize <laughs> for screwing that up. Um but uh, okay, so Blake, let's let's get to the end. Let's uh, if you had to guess, what's the what's your prediction and final score for the matchup on Sunday? Well, let me flip to my notes actually, because I I'll just repeat exactly what we said on our episode that will be out tomorrow. I think there's three main things that are going to go into this game. I think rebounding is one of your guys' strength, especially on the offensive glass, and we've proven that it's one of our weaknesses. So I think that's a huge plus for Illinois on that side of things. I think you guys are one of the best in conference in preventing three-point shots, as we talked about. Nebraska's trying to shoot the three. They're trying to you know, bring all the defense out to cover the three, which then opens up those back cuts for Tominaga and others to, to cut toward the hoop and get some easy twos, and that way you kind of hurt in, in, in multiple facets. But if the threes aren't falling, then all of a sudden they'll kind of let you shoot and so on and so forth. So you kind of have to get mass to hit a three or two early to get that big out to cover him. And then from there, everything kind of starts funneling on itself if they can pull that off. But again, I think if you just look at the situation of the matchup and what's really going to happen here, this is a huge, huge, you can't draw up a better letdown spot for Nebraska than what we're going to go into in Champaign here on Sunday. Nebraska played an overtime court storm emotional win over a top six team in the country in overtime, in overtime, mind you. So legs are going to even be a little bit more tired. And we have to travel on two days of rest as well as, and people may discount this, but you're not staying in your own bed, right? So short rest, you got to flip quick. You got to get on a plane and, and travel. Illinois is on five days of rest at home off a of back-to-back win. So they're feeling pretty good about themselves right now. And they're getting a team that is just, you know, Nebraska has really struggled complementing success. You beat Purdue and then you go on the road to Iowa, get smacked, and you go on the road to Maryland, get smacked. So anytime that we don't know how to handle success and, and it goes all the way back to the depths of the Nebraska basketball program in mass. Anytime something good happens with Nebraska basketball, we, we loathe in it. We enjoy it. Even the fan base. And then you go out and get humbled really bad often, like right after that. So 
it just it, it just sets up awfully for Nebraska. I mean, it, a lot of things, again, are going to have to go right for us to win this game. I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility, but I really think if Nebraska wins this game, it's going to come down to what Illinois did or did not do versus anything that Nebraska did. So, final score? I will go 83-67 to 67 with an Illinois cover. I'll take that. Did, wait, did you say you knew what the line was? Uh, we, we, base ours off of, we base ours off of like Ken Palm and Torvik, which they have about 10 right in there. So Got it. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I was pretty close then, mm-hmm. I guess, off the top of my head. Um, for me, yeah, it, it kind of depends on which team, uh, Illinois team, shows up. Uh, we haven't really had a dominant win in a while now. Uh, our offense, you know, it's, it's been showing up. It, it played great against Northwestern in that loss. Um Struggled against a little bit against Indiana. If I had to guess a uh, gun to my head, I'm going to say the second half of Ohio State shows up. And that was a – that kind of team, I think – let's just say we're going to have an offensive explosion. Uh, we're It's going to be an 87 to 68 – we're going to, I'll say, uh, we'll cover the spread, even though at the beginning of the show, I said that we weren't going to cover the spread. Um, you know, again, I need, I want to see Illinois have a dominant performance. I just want to see them on the court. You know, obviously we played well in Columbus on the road, the last game, but you know, that, that was more of, uh, the product of the second half In the first half, you know, we're kind of down against Ohio state and, you know, we struggled a bit. So I want to see us put on a full performance. You know, Nebraska, we can't take like lightly. You know, they've beaten Purdue. They've beaten Wisconsin. Yeah, that was at their place. But regardless, we now know that they have the players to do it. So, you know, I, I just want to see a full, you know, easy, don't let me sweat. Let me come on the post game. you know, a beer in hand. Uh, you know, let me start drinking mid-second, uh, mid-second half. Uh, what I'm hoping for is an easy win, but uh, I guess we'll wait and see. Um, Blake, I do have one question for you, which uh, mm-hmm. I was told to ask you, if you don't mind. Yeah. Last question. And uh, what I was thinking of doing, uh, I know we have a decent amount of folks watching right now, is I'm going to ask him this one question. And what I'll do is I'll end this stream, and then I'll start it right back up, and I'll change the configurations. Again, hand up. Uh, I'm, I'm new to this. I must have turned the comments off by some uh, for some reason. Usually we have a you know a pretty good community here. And if you're able to come back on, you know uh, you know you're more than welcome to. Um, okay, so I've seen your Twitter timeline, and I've had uh, my Big Ten Show co-host text me specifically to ask you, what is Sandstorm? <laughs> So in our short history of, shoot, three and a half months of, of having this podcast and creating this community that we have, our biggest feather in our cap, if you would even call it that, and I say are in our community, not even us so much, because all we did is start the ball and everybody else finished it. But super long story short, Nebraska basketball used to have this tradition, if you will, of any time a Nebraska run at home would trigger an opposing team's timeout. Our media producer, DJ, whoever it may have been, would play Sandstorm and everybody would stand up and clap and it kept the energy going through the media timeout that, you know, through that timeout that would maintain that energy going into uh, post-media timeout. So it was a great way of transitioning through commercials to keep energy and things like that. Well, somewhere along the lines in the past year or two, I think that stopped. And I think it's because whoever used to run that organization of 
playing media and whatever else may be involved with that, moved on to take another job somewhere else from what I understand. So whoever came in new, either that didn't get transferred over or that wasn't shared because that hasn't been present in the last two years. So what happened is my co-host and I, Mike, we looked at each other and we said, that's got to be something that comes back to the game day experience because the fans love it. I mean, I think the players love it. It gives people a reason to stand up and cheer, right? It, it, it has no net negatives within this at all, but we stopped doing it. So what we did is we posed a tweet out that had a list of emails within the Nebraska Athletic Department that correlate to basketball and fan experience. And we typed out a script for people to copy and paste, fill in their own comments and whatever they may want to do and type an email and send it out to these people that we listed. Obviously, we said be nice about it and things like that. Well, we got I got maybe screenshots of 10 to 15 people that actually did do it, and I'm sure some other people probably did it as well that didn't send me screenshots. I, you know, Off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you a number, but apparently we went to this Wisconsin game, and Nebraska, I think, went on like an 8-0 run in the mid-second half at the under-12 timeout, and they played Sandstorm for the first time in over two years. So, again – it was just such a, a moment of like, you can be the change that you want to see in the world, no matter how small or minuscule or silly it might be. We started a ball. We gave people the opportunity said, Hey, this is what you got to do. This is what we need to do to get this back. And people took it and ran with it. And it was a celebration on our Twitter account. I think our tweet had like 10 retweets and like 70 favorites or something like that. And it had like 5,000 impressions and responses from all kinds of people of our community, our little niche community that we built actually changed a microcosm of the Nebraska basketball fandom experience. And that's something that is just so cool for, you know, somebody, two random guys that just started up a Nebraska basketball podcast because more or less they were bored. So again, just kind of our feather in our cap. That's kind of what the backstory of all that is for anybody that was wondering. No, stories like that is why I love college sports. You know, it's just, uh, there's a community like, you know, that, again, two guys can impact something like that. So that's, that's a, that's a really cool story. Hopefully, uh, us guys at Illini cast can have some sort of influence on Illinois sports at some point. But uh, until then, uh, if you don't mind, tell the folks again where uh, they can find you. Yeah, for those listening and whoever may be psychotic enough to want to follow Nebraska basketball the way that we do, uh, we're on Twitter at Scarlet Shoot Pod, on Instagram at Scarlet Shoot Pod, and on uh, YouTube at Scarlet Shoot Pod as well. The videos usually come out a day or two after because Mike runs that and the video stuff's all over my head. But on Apple, you can find us at Scarlet Shootaround Podcast. We post after every single game, uh, including our thoughts. We post something on Twitter that shares the fans' thoughts as well to get all of our fans involved, which has been super fun and very active in the post game. And then uh, on the upcoming episode for our Illinois uh, version, which I, I would inqu- uh, you know ask all the Illinois fans to even tune into to kind of get our perspective of it, um, we actually brought on a highly renowned bracketologist on the Twitter sphere to talk about our tourney odds and what we kind of have to do and, and maybe our ceiling and our floor and what needs to happen. So it'll be, it's a really good conversation that I'm editing as we speak and really excited about how that's going to turn out. So we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we post all the time and we're kind of the central hub, at least right now for all Nebraska basketball fandom. So uh, really, it, you know, if anybody's interested in Nebraska basketball, just search us up on, on Apple and Twitter and, and it's been a really fun time. I think you'll enjoy it. I pre- really appreciate you uh, coming on today. I'm going to wrap things up here. I will tell you folks, again, hand up. Uh, my bad. This is, the, I think, the second time I've done a live stream. So turning off the comments wasn't my intention. What I'm going to do is I'm going to wrap this one up now, and I'll start up a new stream with comments. If uh, you're hanging out on a Friday night, feel free to join me. I'll have the same call-in link. We'll do all the same. Um, you're more than welcome to stay on if you'd like to, uh, if you want to talk a little bit, Blake. But if you got to yeah. go, I completely understand uh, that, too. But uh, for the rest of you, uh, 
I'll have this set up as its own podcast or uh, its own episode. And then I'll uh, see you guys in maybe two minutes. Just uh, either pay attention to our YouTube page or just uh, on X, I'll be dropping a new link. And that way you guys can leave comments or just talk to me. And uh, maybe I'll invite a couple of friends on and uh, we can talk about the game on Sunday. Take care.